Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And here we are with you with another Encore Show on The Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adh.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production powered by Shipple.com and a platform called Tendency. Check it out. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Back in uh, 2009, we had a special guest uh, during the holidays, and uh, we're doing the same thing here for you. As we're into the holiday season for 2013, Kevin Manny is the author of a book that was just released back then. It's called Trade-Off, Why Some Things Catch On and Others Don't. (laughs) Do you know why? I guess we're going to find out, and we will. Enjoy this interview, and happy holidays, by the way. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth back with you. As promised, our very special interview with the author of The Trade-Off, Why Some Things Catch On and Others Don't. What a unique title. And uh, the author is Kevin Manny. Kevin, it's a good, uh, good to have you here on the show. Welcome uh, to the Advertising Show. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, welcome, as Ray said, to the show. Wonderful book. Uh, Ray and I were just commenting before today's uh, recording that uh, we both liked your book, loved what you had to say, and you got two fans here. So uh, good job, Kevin. By the way, you got a name of like a you should be in the base. You should be like a baseball player or something. Coming up to bat, Kevin Manny. Manny, Manny, Manny. Yes. Uh, the, two, the two key reasons you cite in your book as the ingredients for success lie in the tension between fidelity and convenience. And before we talk about what you describe as the fidelity swap, maybe we need to just lay some groundwork here and, and just define, I think we all probably know what convenience is, but fidelity, why don't you just define both of those terms for us? Yeah, because that's, that's really helpful. So f- fidelity, I, I needed a word that said something more than just quality. Um, because it is about quality, and that's that's a big part of it. But um, but it's just it's also the the entire experience, and some of that experience has something to do with uh, um, the you know the sense of identity it gives you because you did it, or the you know the sort of aura that it has about it. And uh, to give you a, like an example is um, a U two concert is um, it, it's a big high quality experience in you know, in a lot of ways you know go, going there and everything, but also just the fact that you the fact that you go, the fact that uh, um, that you could tell your friends later that you went, and you know it's something that lives with you for the rest of your life. I mean, those are all aspects of it that are part of that fidelity of of, of something, whether it's that or a product or your service or whatever. On the other side, this, the sort of flip end of that is um, is convenience, and you know, yes, it is to a large extent what you think it is, but um, one of the things that's important in the sort of model of the book is that that. Convenience also includes cost. Um, not that, that not that something has to be low cost to be convenient, but if something is a lower cost, it's necessarily more convenient for more people. I mean, to get because basically, if you divide define convenience as how easy it is to get or do something, if it's a, if it's a lower cost, it's generally easier for more people to get that. 
So if you take what you just said, the, what you paid for the concert ticket, you could have bought a whole bunch of U2 music on the conveniently located iTunes. Right, exactly. So which is better? Well, so the, uh, as this works out is that people are, um, are very willing to make a trade um, between those two things, between fidelity and convenience. So you're willing to do, you're, you're actually happy to do, the U2 concert because it's such a high fidelity thing, even though it's terrible convenience, right? I mean, it's your, you know, the cost of the tickets, the parking, the crowds, the having to listen to Bono go on about, you know, world hunger or something. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all very inconvenient. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, iTunes songs are the absolute most convenient way to get music, even though the fidelity is really not all that great. I mean, the, the quality of those mp3 files is actually a lot less than something on a cd but you're willing to give that up because it's so convenient and the quality is good enough to make you happy um so in most industries and in most products or services or whatever um uh, the things that tend to get people the most excited actually end up being the things that are either on that very high fidelity end or things that are on that very high convenience end and stuff that sort of falls in the middle um and in this example we're talking about with music, the compact disc right now is is exactly there. Um, it's not quite enough fidelity to make you excited. It's not quite enough convenience. You're not really will, willing to trade the inconvenience of this carrying around this big disc for it's not enough extra fidelity to make it worth it. And so it's fallen into the zone where people just don't care so much anymore. And as we've seen, CD sales have been falling precipitously for years now. Yeah, I know you described some of the concepts behind the fidelity swap. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, each of those briefly, and and I guess are these kind of the uh, uh, inflection points? I guess that uh, decide whether a consumer is prepared to trade off or swap between the two. Well, the um, yeah, there's you know if you if you take a uh, let's take McDonald's. You guys were talking about McDonald's earlier, and yeah. if you're McDonald's. Um, what you want to do is, is look at the market that you're serving and figure out where you happen to land on it. Now, if you're talking about you know, going out to eat, going, getting food out, um, you know, I would create a you know, little you know, market chart that says, that, okay, well, there's you know, the super high-end, um, wonderful restaurants that you, you, know, you, you want to go and talk about that you went there um, at the, at the high-fidelity end. And, and they're, you know, tend to get people excited and do, you know, do pretty well. And then you've got, like, a McDonald's. It's a super convenient player, um, low cost. It's everywhere. It's easy. It's fast. You know, you know exactly where you're going to get. And um, the, the kinds of things that fall, uh, you know, somewhere into that, into that zone in the middle where they're, uh, where they're really not much of either one uh, are probably going to, you know, struggle more than, than, than those two ends. To better understand how you say identity is a huge component of fidelity, I was hoping to get an example, a real-world example of what you mean by that. Uh, well, uh, an easy example is in the fashion industry. And, uh, you know, there's a, a Louis Vuitton bag, for instance, that costs $20,000. Uh, it's probably not, uh, you know, 200 times better than, um, than a $100 bag in terms of what it will actually functionally do and the quality of, you know, how long it's going to last you. Um, you're paying that $20,000 for a sense of identity because you're carrying that around. It's broadcasting something about yourself. I'm, you know, I'm rich. I have those great tastes. I, you know, mm -hmm. I can get this bag. 
Uh, and, and so the, that's, that's the absolute ultimate of, of identity being um, actually a bigger part of the fidelity than even the product itself. On the advertising show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth, take a moment to take a, a break here. Kevin Manny is our special guest and the author of a book called Trade Off Why Some Things Catch On and Others Don't. Here, we're going to take a break, come back, and do more here in just a moment on the advertising show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. Welcome back. It's a a fresh new look, a brand new book called Trade-Off, Why Some Things Catch On and Others Don't. Linda Kaplan-Thaler calls it... Unputdownable, unputdownable. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, that was unputdownable. Unputdownable. Yeah, a new word, I guess. Uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, anyway, she likes your book, and I think that's all that matters here. So it's it's good. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Former guest, you should say on the yes, show. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Uh, staying with the uh, idea of identity being a huge component of fidelity. What I really like about your book is that you know you, it's based on. 20 years of interviewing CEOs of big companies like Kodak, Apple, uh, Coach, and Six Flags, ESPN, etc. Uh, and, and back to the point, uh, you give a great examples, real brand name examples in your book that I think everyone can relate to, both on the upside and downside of some of these com- ideas that you are talking about here. And you, if you would share with our audience why you think on the flip side, uh, Amazon's Kindle fails short, falls very short uh, of creating a uh, identity for their product. Sure. Well, um, so the Kindle is. Uh, it, I had a long, interesting conversation with Jeff Bezos about the Kindle, and and he talked about how uh, when they were creating it, they they really kept trying to um, to to beat the fidelity essentially of of the book of the paper book, um, and it was a it was a really difficult, really horrendous challenge because the paper book um, is such a high-fidelity experience for most people, most readers. And, uh, and in fact, you know, if you talk to almost anyone who's an avid book reader, which is really the market for books, um, they will still tell you that they love having that paper book. It's something about it. It's actually, there's, there's a, a look, a feel, um, there's actually an identity component to that. You you have a book on your bookshelf. It says something about you. You're carrying it on the airplane. It says something about you. Um, and um, and so the the Kindle is never for for the most for the people who are the biggest fans of books. The Kindle is never going to be um, a better fidelity experience than the paper book. Um, so if the Kindle is going to be successful, and you're using this matrix that you know that I use in the book. It's other choices to become the absolute high convenient version of a book, and it's well on the path to doing that because it's you know it's this thing, this one little gadget you can carry around. You can carry you know hundreds of books in it. 
You know, you go on vacation, you don't have to have a suitcase full of books. You've got them all there. You can buy any book uh, or any of, you know, whatever they have, like 600,000 books now within, you know, 90 seconds of pressing the button to do it. So it is, in a lot of ways, a super convenient version of the book, except for one big one, and that's the price of the Kindle, which is, you know, with $300, $400 to buy this thing. And, um, and that makes it a big convenience, you know, leap for most people to do. I mean, people were willing to spend a couple hundred dollars to buy an iPod to play their music on because you always had to have something to play your music on. You never had to have something to play your book on. Hmm. Uh, so this is a brand new kind of expense, and it makes it very inconvenient. Um, and so, to me, the Kindle ends up falling in this zone where it's not quite convenient enough, not quite high-fidelity enough to get people to make that trade of you know, one or the other to... to you know, decide they want a Kindle. Um, and even though they've, they've done okay with this, um, I mean, they've sold a million, million and a half Kindles, that's not a huge amount in the, the consumer electronics market. Uh, but what is happening, and I think this is going to be very interesting to watch, is a number of other players like Asus and, and uh, um, Barnes & Noble, and of course Sony's had its e-readers, they're all coming into the market uh, with e-readers and starting to drive the price down. Um, and there was actually a study by Forrester Research recently that showed that if the price of these machines can get to $98, all of a sudden the, 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 you know, the convenience factor kind of goes away. That big leap in convenience goes away. And, and, and uh, at $98 or less, the market for these things just goes like a hockey stick. It sure. takes off. And um, because people will be willing to have this very convenient version of a book, even if it's not... Um, you know the, the fidelity that they would really love to have, mm-hmm. but they'll make that trade because it's it's so convenient and the fidelity will be sort of you know good enough to work. Um, and I think that what we're going to see is as soon as these these things come into the market, um, that we're going to have a, a huge ebook market in, within five years. Kevin Manny is our special guest on the advertising show, the author of a brand new book called Trade Off. Why some things catch on and others don't. It has an, uh, it looks like a peach and a lemon, or is that an apple and a lemon? I can't, I can't. Peach, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, we'll be back with more in just a moment. I want you to be able to identify it when you see it in the store, okay? On the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for four. Standing on the car. The book is called uh, Trade-Off, Why Some Things Catch On and Others Don't. <clears throat> might think of that with uh, Ford Motor Company and the Fusion just recently named uh, an incredibly cool car. Congratulations to Ford and the company's comeback as well as a uh, comeback. Anyway, our special guest and author of this book is called uh, is Kevin uh, Manny. And, uh, Kevin, we're happy to have you here at the Advertising Show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I think what you were just uh, describing with uh, the Kindle, I guess, is along the lines of what you say in your book about how new technologies always start out inside the Fidelity belly. Uh, and you go on to say that tech- some technologies never escape the fidelity belly and die. Talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, new technologies either transition to eventually becoming uh, convenient uh, commodities, and that's the transition they make or they die. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yeah, and, and as you say, I mean, new technologies 
um, tend to when they first are created. I mean, think of the first personal computer or uh, the first cell phone. Um, it tends to be a product that is um, both very expensive and doesn't yet work very well. And so it's not really better than anything that's out there, and it kind of sits in this place where the you know where maybe so, you know, early adopters will pick it up because they want to try out the new cool thing. Um, but until it moves, and, th- and this is key, I mean, as we were talking about with the Kindle, um, the, the, the company making that product has to decide, is this going to be something that's going to work on the convenience end, or is this going to work on the fidelity end? And, and have to drive in that direction. Um, you know, the, I mean, the cell phone, you know, any, as anybody who uses a cell phone will tell you, I mean, the fidelity of the call of a, on a cell phone, you know, is, is often bad. Uh, but the convenience, it, it, you know, as, as, the, as that product evolved, it became the super convenient way to get your calls anywhere you happen to be. Um, and so it, you know, it took off in that direction. Um, you know, like we were saying about the, the, the Kindle, it will have to move towards convenience. And in fact, uh, technology often, especially now that on the Internet, as we see things evolving on the Internet, um, they, are, they are often convenient, more convenient ways to do things that we already did, uh, maybe oftentimes without the, quite the fidelity that was there, but it's, the convenience is so great that it, we're willing to make the trade of giving up some of that fidelity for this great convenience. Uh, and the, so the Internet often is all about convenience. Yeah, well, staying with that for a moment, you discuss how fidelity convenience swap may explain why newspapers have been experiencing decline of recent. But yet, when I think about that, and I and I and I gave that some thought, decline in newspaper was happening before technology and the internet was uh, has impacted as severely as it has most recently. Um, traditional media. Are you saying that maybe technology has sped up that process? Yes. Well, one of the aspects of the whole trade-off model is that technology does keep moving in both directions. It keeps being able to create um, new, higher convenience versions of whatever existed before, and it and it on the other end, um, higher fidelity versions. So if you if you're Apple and you're making the iPhone and you ha- are selling the highest fidelity phone today, somebody's going to come along and technology is going to allow somebody to make a higher fidelity phone tomorrow if you don't change anything about that. Newspapers, for a long, long time, uh, were the highest convenience form of news. I mean, it landed on your doorstep every morning. It had this package of all... What more could you want? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it was, was, you know, it's dirt cheap, and it was... But newspapers didn't change as new forms of very convenient news started to come around, you know, basically internet-based news and information. Um, and so people who are comfortable with especially Internet-based news uh, find that far more convenient than picking up the newspaper. And one of the things I do say in the book is that um, different segments of the population are going to view this trade-off differently. And this is a very big generational you know, um, shift. If you talk to somebody, I was just with my parents earlier um, today, and they're in their 70s, and you talk to them, to them, the newspaper is still a much more convenient version of the news than mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get to this stuff on the Internet. Yeah. And, uh, and so if newspapers realize that they still have, could have a very strong market, but 
it would be a, a generationally segmented market and actually really play to that and do a newspaper that those people would love and want to buy, they probably could have a really good business. It wouldn't be the same business as they used to be in of being a complete mass media, but it could still be a really good business. Gavin, this is a, a great book. Best of uh, luck as you uh, promote it uh, around the country here as well. Trade-off, why some things catch on and others don't. Kevin Manny, uh, dot com is where you'll go to find out more about that as well and uh, find out more about Kevin. So, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy, and uh, thanks for being here. You know, we always enjoy uh, bringing you these encore shows. Maybe you heard it back in 09. Maybe this is the first time you were listening to uh, us interview uh, Kevin Manny. Uh, but hope you enjoyed it, and we'll continue to bring those to you here. At the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.